Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I'm so excited to be here today. Welcome to the Firetime Podcast. Well, today's episode is, man, it's a conversation I've wanted to have for so long on this podcast. I am honored to bring you my personal mentor, Stan Campbell. Now, as we jump into today, this is actually the first of a two-part mini-series that we're going to be doing that's all about mission, vision, core values, goals, and objectives. And that, that might sound like a, you know, a lot of words and phrases that, that don't mean anything, but trust me, it's really, really important. So for today's conversation, I brought on Stan specifically to talk about an experience that my team went through when Stan helped us put together our vision, our mission, and our core values. And that led into us then planning out our goals and objectives for the coming years as a company. Now, Stan's been in my life for, gosh, probably 10 years or so, and he's always been someone that I've looked at as a mentor. He spent most of his career in education and more recently in, in higher education. And it was about a year and a half ago that I officially hired him. I felt like, you know, this is just such a, a wise man who is someone that I want to be like when I'm his age. And so I, I've got to create some intentional space. And, you know, th- the conversation today doesn't have to do necessarily with what me and Stan worked on a year and a half ago, but he really helped me take control over prioritization, framing out my calendar, and really just asking the question, what is the best thing that I can do? There's a million things that get thrown in front of us, and we can't do everything. And very often, in order to try and make everyone happy or check off every box on our to-do list, we fail to do the things that are actually the most important or the most impactful. So for years, Stan has been in my life and we meet regularly, truly to, to go through like my calendar and my email inbox and my priorities to just look at what, what am I making a priority and is that in line with the vision that I want to have for my life? Now, we've done that individually, but when Stan took our team through this workshop, we brought them in and spent about two full days together. And, and it was absolutely incredible. We, we walked away just totally transformed by it. So what we're going to discuss in our conversation is really this idea of what is a vision for your company? And how do you put together a mission that rallies people to that cause and core values to help you make decisions? You know, in the conversation, we specifically get into some of our core values as a team. And in listening to that, you're going to get some context on how that works for us. But, you know, if you're someone that struggles with feeling like you're the only person at the company that's actually inspired to do anything, or you feel like your team members just can't make decisions, I would actually guess a major part of the problem is lack of vision, lack of a compelling mission and core values to act as guardrails. Now, I mentioned that this is part one of a two-part series because next week we actually have my team on the podcast. So today you're hearing from Stan's perspective as a facilitator, as someone who works with businesses and companies to create this vision and mission and core values. We're gonna talk about that at at a high level. Next week, 
We're going to have my team on with Wi-Fi, and we're going to talk in detail about our mission, our vision, and our core values, and literally, you are going to understand how this sets us up to set goals and objectives, and, and I'm telling you, it's going to be absolutely incredible. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you hear this conversation with Stan Campbell. I have a lot of thoughts on the back end, but for now, get out a pen and paper because this is important. Joining me from Portland, Oregon is a friend and mentor, Stan Campbell. I'm so excited to have you today. You have kind of done a little bit of everything, but most of your career has been in higher education, right? Well, education in general, yeah. I started out actually as a public school teacher in Washington State, but in, in the last uh, you know 14 years or so, it's been higher education at a local university here in Portland. Well, you got to be careful because, you know, public school teachers are the people that I snipe for jobs. <laughs> so That's why... <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have you here today. That's right. Well, hey, super excited that that you're here to talk about this. You know, as as I've gone back and thought about, you know, what ideas have we not covered in the podcast so far? The idea of like vision, mission, and core values has been something that we've kind of talked about at times in episodes, but we've never had a dedicated conversation about it. And you know, after going through the workshop that you did for our team a number of months ago. It was so transformational that I, I felt like this is really worth a conversation. So thanks for being here. My pleasure. And you're right. It is so important for profit-making businesses, yep. for nonprofits. Uh, it's, it's vital. Well, let's, let's start with this. So back in the fall, we got together for basically, I think, two full days. And day one was you taking us through our company's vision and mission and we just started to touch on core values and, and the team actually went away for dinner that night to really you know, solidify some of those things. And then we came back to, to finish our core values and talk about our goals and objectives. But I, I, wanna, I want this conversation to go a lot of different directions. But to start, I want to just talk about why it's so important for a team to have a unified mission that everybody understands. That's a great question. Um, and sometimes I think if you're a leader of an organization, you just assume that people know what you're about. <laughs> you know, he's, well, of course, we've been doing this for years. We've been a team for years. Everybody gets it. You would be amazed if you get in a room full of people and ask them to try to state what they think the organization is about. You're going to get a variety of, a variety of answers that will just probably shock and astonish you. So it's really important to have a mission that is clearly defined a mission that everybody hears talked about frequently because, you know, these things leak out of the brain and and then to be just dedicated in carrying that out. I, I feel like you told me this, that Andy Stanley said vision leaks and so you have to refill it. And, and that's something I've thought about quite a bit that sometimes we think, well, just because I've said it, they should get it and retain it. And that doesn't happen with team members. And, and it's so easy to get frustrated and think, oh, this person, they don't listen, they don't care, when when really we haven't done our job as a leader of continuing over and over and over to beat that drum. And you just brought up something that reminds me, leaders of organizations just assume that everybody else cares about it like they do. Mm. Well, that is just not a given. It has to be cultivated. Yeah, There is a way to cultivate ownership of mission 
in an organization, but it just doesn't happen naturally. And a lot of leaders, I'm thinking of a, of a business I worked for years ago where the owner assumed that everybody cared about the business as much as they did, but yeah. they did nothing to cultivate that. Yeah. I, I've experienced that same thing. And it's funny, as, as you say that, like literally this morning, one of our team members pulled an all-nighter last night. And I, I woke up this morning and he, I called him and, and he told me about it. And I felt so guilty, like, gosh, like you don't have to do this. And he just said, Tim, I, I looked at what we had to do and I just made the decision that this is what we need and I'm going to do it. And and even though I feel I feel kind of guilty about it, there's part of me that's so proud that he takes such ownership of what needs to be done that you know, he took this Herculean effort on himself. That's amazing. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten to know Tim's team and, and they are amazing. He's got a great team, but it didn't just happen. Tim has built this culture intentionally. I appreciate that. Maybe let's, let's go back to the, the importance of being unified. So what's that do for a company or, or a team when everybody understands the mission? Well, number one, uh, everybody is making decisions that are consistent with the mission. Uh, you don't have somebody going off rogue. And, and most of the time, people intend to do the right thing. But if yeah. they don't understand what you're about, well, they'll make decisions based on their own preconceptions and probably misconceptions. So, yeah, it's super important that everybody understands the mission, they buy into it, and it's reinforced all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know for us, I mean, you know, leading, leading up to our time with you, we'd, we'd been a team for, you know, maybe six to seven months, not very long. And a lot of it had been all hands on deck. We had this, you know, monster project in front of us that we were trying to, you know, figure out. And we, we kind of knew what we were about, but we'd never solidified it. And I remember coming out of our time together one of our team members came to me afterwards and said, Tim, like, I didn't even realize how much I'd been confused about where we were going. And now it's perfectly clear. And I think it, it's like the rowing analogy that you could have 12 people in a boat all working hard, but if they're not rowing in the same direction, it, it doesn't matter. And even if their intentions aren't, aren't bad, one person could actually hold back the entire boat. Oh, yeah. The rowing analogy is a great one because if you know anything about rowers, not only do they have to be rowing in the same direction, they have to move their oars at the same time mm. in the same way. It's a very precise kind of thing. Uh, and they have to be trained, of course, and practice. I like to think about mission in terms of how the military thinks about mission. Can you imagine a platoon of soldiers who are sent out on a mission and it's not, they're not really told specifically what they're supposed <laughs> to do? <laughs> Can you imagine Gosh. the chaos? Yeah. Uh, I think that's easy for us to imagine. So translate that back to your company or your organization and, and realize the chaos that can ensue if yeah. everybody doesn't understand the mission. Yeah, it's so true. So I, I, I want to go specifically to talk about how, how vision feeds into mission, which feeds into core values. Um, you know, I, let, let's do that for a second. I was, I was thinking about doing that later in the conversation, but let, let's talk about this hierarchy. You know, like, like we, we start with a vision, we move to mission, and that, and that then sets us up to understand our core values. Can you just lay out those concepts? Yeah, mission uh, is really who we are and, and what we're about. You know, why do we exist? Uh, do we make gadgets? Do we <laughs> provide services? And, and what, what is our mission? What, what are we all about? And, and then vision is really where do we want to go? What is, the, what is the imagined 
ideal future that we want to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and that's a big thing. And vision, mission doesn't change really essentially, unless you decide to get into a completely different business, but mission is the same, your identity of who you are, but vision can change. You can achieve a vision and then set a new vision, but visions are usually long, long-term, larger than life, big things. Um, and then, uh, the values now values don't necessarily come directly in a sort of hierarchical way out of vision, but they're important. Yeah. Um, core values are really um, well. Let me say this: if you've ever watched any episodes of The Office, <laughs> you know what a company works like if they have either no core values yeah. or poorly, poorly realized core values. Yeah, Th- that's a great example because you think. Again, you know, people are you got people pulling in different directions, different agendas, you know, different criteria for how we make a decision, and you know that's why it's such a funny show. But it it, it does hit on a lot, and you know, I I just I think about for us like when when we were walking through this exercise and we were trying to think about like what's our vision as a company, we we thought about like we want to live in a world where. And then we filled in the blank. And that was kind of the way that we came up with vision. And I, I think that for folks listening to this, it's easy to tune it out and think like, come on, Tim, I got real work to do. You know, I, I got an install that needs to get done tomorrow. I got an upset customer that's calling me. I can't sit here and stare at my navel thinking about the world I want to live in. But I, I don't know. I, I think that like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this in, from the angle of team member retention, that if you aren't thinking about the world that you want to create, your team members really don't have much of a reason to stay at your company because that that like that world to create like it could be about your end customers, it could be about your team members. You could live in you could want to live in a world where your team members can have a job they can work for the rest of their lives and buy a house and retire comfortably. Like that's a that's actually a great vision and there's a number of things that you could do to create that. Most people live their lives reactively. They don't live in terms of a larger vision. Uh, the the thing that's screaming at them the most, like an install tomorrow, sure. is what gets our attention. And so we just live moment to moment, crisis to crisis. And uh, really, time and effort, but especially time, is a finite commodity that we can invest, mm-hmm. not squander. And so what you're talking about is taking control of your schedule, taking control of your life to realize something that will really create a better product or service for your customers, yeah. better work environment for your team, and and frankly, a less hectic and better life for yourself. Oh, totally. Well, so so if you think about this, you know, you have, you have this vision of what's the world that we, you know, we, we want to be a part of. And for us, we thought about then, okay, so what's what's our role to play in that, right? And that kind of becomes our, our mission. How are, how are we going to create this and and we're going to actually get into this in a in an episode that's going to air real soon where we actually talk with our wi-fi team about our specific mission and core values and what that looks like in practice but for us it really had to do with giving business owners tools to take control of their business so that they can enjoy their lives and create prosperity you know so if that's our mission now we're unified so like an opportunity comes our way we run it through the grid okay is this going to help our partners take control of their business so they can enjoy their lives more and create prosperity. If the answer is no, well, then that tells us that we, we, we don't make that decision. Yeah. In fact, being clear about mission, being clear about vision 
helps clarify what you are about, but also what you're not about. Yeah. <laughs> so it's less of a, you're less likely to be derailed by good things. Yeah. But not the best things to help you achieve your mission. It, it makes you a more disciplined team. Yeah. And it gives your, it gives sort of the, the guardrails to your team also when they make decisions to know, I don't need to worry about this or that or this other thing, because that's really not primary. Yeah. We, we got to stay focused. Well, you, you've been so helpful just in my own life with, with thinking about what's primary versus what's secondary. And I feel like you really exemplified that. You're ruthless with, with really understanding those things and, and prioritizing what's most important. You know, the, the thing that I think about is many companies have a, have a bad mission. So like maybe your company has a mission. The, the, the litmus test would be if you went to go ask someone randomly in your company, what's our mission? If they can't tell you, like your mission sucks. It just does. I mean, so you, you got to have a mission that's compelling. Like your team has to want to be a part of this. And, and so it can't just be as simple as like, our mission is to deliver the highest quality products, just like we have been for 35 years to represent the proud American tradition of, you know, whatever. That's a bad mission because nobody on your team is going to A, remember it and B, be inspired by it, right? Like you want this to be something that pumps you up. So, you know, once you've thought about that, like this is our mission, this is why we exist and our team can rally around it. Now we talk about core values and a lot of people listening to this have probably heard like, oh, you got to have core values, you know, or but just getting so practical, I think one thing a lot of business owners and leaders struggle with is delegation. And I think the core values are a huge part of that. Why are core values so important if you want to delegate work? That's a great question. First of all, core values, let's just define that. Uh, core values basically define what you believe in and how you're going to behave with each other and with your uh, customers and your suppliers and other stakeholders that might yeah. be involved. It's really kind of your moral code of moral direction for the organization. And that helps guide your decision-making and really it also establishes some standards of how you can assess when there's infractions, yeah. you know, when, when somebody's made a decision that really counters your core values. So as far as delegation, if you don't have core values, well, you can't expect the results that you hope for when you delegate responsibility to others. If they don't know how they're supposed to behave, don't be surprised if they behave badly. Yeah. Or if they make poorly based uh, decisions or that they're not following the core values. Core values really provides a framework uh, that gives you and, and those to whom you delegate responsibility, the confidence in decision making. Yeah. And, and it also gives them the confidence to take initiative. Delegating, a lot of that, people get that mixed up sometimes. I think a lot of leaders think delegating is getting stuff off their plate that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that, but that's not how you build ownership and, and leadership in your organization. The best kind of delegation is when you are handing mm-hmm. off responsibility, authority and responsibility. They, got, they have to go together. Yeah. You can't give somebody a responsibility if you're not giving them the authority also to follow through and own the decisions in the process. Um, and it's scary for leaders to do that. For that reason, they don't do it, and then everything bottlenecks on them, yeah. and then they can't grow, and they can't become you know, a better organization. So, uh, But those you delegate can't be left blindly groping f- for how to make decisions or paralyzed because they're afraid to make the right decision. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I think that the idea of setting a standard is so important. I was having a conversation with Dan Woodward from HHT a few weeks ago. And he was talking about it in the context of running a, a warehouse, but he said, when there's no standard, there's no improvement. Oh, yeah. 
you can't do it because you have nothing. I mean, how do we improve? And I've, I've been in organizations like that where, you know, I've seen people be chastised for decision-making, but they were given no guidelines of how to make a decision. And frankly, sometimes even not even the authority to do what needed to be done. And I think that if, if you're in a position where you feel like your team, you know, like we were saying earlier, they don't care as much as you, they're not invested. I mean, that could be true, but, but truly I think many times people are not engaged with their jobs because they don't have the authority and the responsibility to do what needs to be done. I mean, I, I think of so many installers that, that, that live day to day, always upset at the, at the owner of the company because they want to do it a better way. They always see the problems with it, but they just complain because they don't have the authority to do anything. And one of the best ways to turn that behavior around is to say, all right, you got the keys. Let's do this. Yeah. So good. So good. Would you be willing to share the core values that you came up with? Yeah. Your, your team came up with, and then that might put some flesh on these bones for sure. people. And, and we're going to dive deep on this when Matt and Sam come on soon. I think, I think that it is good to set the stage here. So we came up with seven core values. And I think you remember that I was, I was like telling the team, it's only five. It's only five. Yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. I was ready to die on that hill. And finally, I caved to seven. And really, it is best if it's fewer. Yeah. If you could come up with five, that's great. Because remember, people have to remember these. That's exactly it. And you can't have, they can't each one be a paragraph. It has to be a short, yep. easily remembered core value. So our seven for, for Wi-Fi as a company are default to generosity, always be in touch with our partner's experience, confront the brutal facts about our company, be honest with our partners, even when it's difficult, seek innovation wherever we can find it, trust our team members to make the call, and don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> I need that last one. And uh, since that fall, fall workshop, uh, they've, I've seen them put this into practice. Um, very clearly, in fact, a decision that they had to make recently involved one of those core values. And uh, I think it was a really good decision. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's come up a lot. I mean, just that first one, like default to generosity. There's been multiple times where we've been in a difficult situation and, you know, what do we do? Because there's two ways we could go. We could we could do something that's not generous that we maybe technically have the right to, but could cause friction. Or we we can instead try to do something generous, and and that has really helped us. I mean, even that one of like trusting our team members to make the call. The reason that 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 was so important to us, what we'll get into it when we talk, is it. I think, and and a lot of this, I mean, has to do with like the way we're brought up, and even the education system. Sometimes it can beat us into submission of being afraid to raise our hand. And, and, and all we do is all, we're just trying to study for the test. We're not trying to learn the concept. We're just trying to study for the test. And over, you know, years and years and years, our society kind of puts this in us where we, we, we kind of live in fear of stepping into what we could do or who we could be. And, and, and we felt like as a team, we want to confront that head on because, you know, in general, you know, if someone's, if, if, if a team member understands what's expected of them and they've got these guardrails of core values to make a decision you're probably not going to go out of business because they make a horrible decision that cripples you you're much more likely to go out of business because no one on your team takes responsibility so they don't make decisions they throw everything on you and and so we felt like for us like we got to get out in front of that yeah absolutely that is so important hey thank you for sharing those those are great core values yeah i mean and and it was really instrumental having 
having you to walk us through it because we were throwing, I mean, all kinds of stuff at the board. I'm looking at these like giant, these giant sticky notes that, that we had as we put them together. And, and you were really helpful in asking us, you know, is you're throwing these things at the board. Is this just the cost of doing business or is this like truly a unique special core value of the company? Right. So like integrity. Well, great. But like, that's the cost of doing business. You know, well, we're going to, we're going to do a quality job with our installations. I'm, to me, it's okay. Like, I think that's just what you need to, to be in business. I don't think that that's like worthy of a core value unless there's some angle of that that is really specific and instrumental to who your company is. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. In fact, when you go through an exercise like this, that, that is the default. People tend to throw up these sort of mantras that yeah, everybody ascribes to, uh, but is it really talking about what, what you believe in and what you hope to see your organization uh, contribute to humanity, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it takes a little working through, but um, eventually your team did, they did great coming up with these core values. Well, it gives you, it just gives you guardrails and that's what everybody's looking for. I mean, if, if I'm a team member at a job, like, what do I want? Well, you know, I, I want to win at my job. I don't want my boss to yell at me. I want, I want to feel like I'm making a difference in some way, shape or form. I don't want to feel like my work is pointless. And if, if I'm given a decision to make and I've got, you know, a number of core values to help guide me in that, that is actually really empowering for a team member to make that decision. And when they come back to the manager or the boss or the owner and say, hey, no one was around to help me with this, but this is the call that I made and I did it because of X, Y, Z, and they list those core values. I mean, what a moment of empowerment to say like, man, great job making that call. That's the right move. That is so empowering. And I've worked for companies where it's all about nose to the grindstone, you know, you're lucky to have a job and, you know, look at how good the company is for you. And and those things, there's an angle of all those things that are true, but for a, a team member, there's not a lot of fulfillment in that. Isn't it, isn't it, doesn't it mean so much more when when a company is actually empowering you to grow, not just making you, you know, feel lucky you didn't get fired that day. (laughs) Yeah. We'll get back to our conversation in just one second. Hey, if you're listening to this and thinking, my goodness, I have never thought about how mission, vision, and core values can actually impact my bottom line and our decision-making process, and you want more content like this, then you have to check out the Firetime Magazine. So the Firetime Magazine is a digital publication that comes out for free every single month. It's available through our Firetime Magazine app and also our sister podcast. So every single month when a new issue comes out, you can read the articles or listen to them. And I'm telling you, this content is something that can really move the needle in your business. It's put together by our industry and for our industry. And if you're not reading it, you're missing out. So to listen to the Firetime Magazine audio articles, Just subscribe to the Firetime Magazine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. But if you want the full experience of videos, of industry surveys, of deep dive resources and articles, you need to download the Firetime Magazine app. And you can do that by going to itsfiretime.com slash app. We tend to think that people are motivated by material gain. You know, if I give my employers a, a big raise, they'll be loyal, they'll be... They'll, they'll own this. They'll want to make the company successful. Well, actually, 
most people are motivated by feeling good about what they're doing and, yeah. and feeling like they matter and that their boss likes them and they value them. Um, there was a study actually in education. I think it was in Texas. They did this years ago. They were they asked thousands of high school kids what motivated them in school, and then they asked hundreds of teachers the same question. Teachers, you know, right at the top was grades and teacher recognition, all this stuff, and that was at the bottom of the students list. the The top were, for them were peer recognition. Mm feeling good about what they were doing, things like that. I think that's true for adults. I've been in leadership roles all my life. And I'm thinking right now about a team at, at a nonprofit organization, a team that I led. And I, I took them through this very thing of delegating and giving them lots of kudos. They were not getting a lot of material gain. Uh, so I just heaped on the praise. I, I made sure they had response, not just responsibility, but authority. So they felt good about that. You know, if you have leaders in your or potential leaders in your organization, potential leaders want authority. They they don't want to just be carrying the water buckets. You know, yeah. they they love the opportunity to grow into leadership. Um and so you give them that, but then you also affirm them constantly and you give them the right tools to do their job well. And I found myself with a happy team. I mean, they just yeah. ran with. In fact, they did better than I thought they were going to do. And they started training leaders. It's so true. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about a situation I've had where, where core values, you know, the, the the bottom was just cut out from them. And it was a situation at a company where we had a lot of core values and there was an owner of the company that was regularly just egregiously violating them. And, and me and a number of other people came to the rest of the ownership group and said, look, this is what's going on. This is egregious. And it just got swept under the rug. Just, you know, well, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. And, and for me, that was a moment where I, I realized, like, I can't, I can't stay here long term because if, if, if we're going to say this is what we believe in, like, it's kind of like if you, if you, core values are kind of like, they're like the police of your company. You know, yeah. if someone breaks into your house, you call the police and they say, ah, oh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, you you can maybe we'll come out there, but I don't know. You could just you just got to figure it out. You know, there's not a lot of faith you have in the police department. It's the same thing in your company. So if you have core values and you don't take ruthless action on them when they're violated, it it really you know sets the whole. I mean, it, to me, it just damns the entire company. That there's 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 very little you can do to recover from that. Yeah, I think it's the police and it's the judge and it's the uh, the counselor. Yeah, <laughs> that will work. With somebody after an infraction, after there's been, if need be, some sort of, um, you know, not punitive, but some sort of consequences, and then a restorative process. Yeah. You should you should never just slap people on the hand for wrong decisions if they've not if they haven't carried out core values. Always assume that the person wants to do what's best. Yeah. Now sometimes you get, we've all had them. We've sure. had people we've led that just are contrary and they're just not going to fit. Usually that's a fit issue more than anything. For some reason, they just don't fit in their role in this organization. They probably need to do something else, either in your organization or for somebody yeah. else. But most of the time, people want to do the right thing. So it's giving them a process that uh, if they don't follow it, there's a restorative action. And that's so much more encouraging than just slaps on the wrist. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, um, I want to I want to kind of have you give a little bit of a deep dive on what you did for our team specifically. But before we do that, one, one thing that, that we did, this is just about a week ago, we got together 
for a quarterly review of our core values, our vision, our mission, and in our goals and objectives. And we, we spent four hours together. It was on Zoom. We're all in different parts of the country. And we got done. And one of our team members called me and he's like, Tim, you know, in my, in my past role, the worst day of the year was the day we all got together to review our mission and review our core values because nobody cared. It wasn't relevant. It was boring. And he said, dude, I am, I'm fired up. I am ready to rock and roll. This is, this is the most valuable time we could have spent. And, and I'm telling you, you, the same thing will happen to your team that, that if you can, if you can harness a mission that actually means something and you have real core values and you, and you like you literally like you should walk around with like a bunch of ten dollar bills and like go give them to people when you see them doing core value stuff and highlight it in front of the team in the meeting you know that makes people pumped up to be part of a winning organization absolutely yeah that's well stated thanks tim so let's talk about what you did specifically for us sure and what did you do just programmatically but then what were you hoping we got out of out of our time together I, I've been doing things like this in education and um, and in various organizations, but um, specifically for a business like this, I hadn't done it. So I thought, well, let's let's give it a try. You yeah. know? And uh, it worked very well. In fact, I think it exceeded my expectations. But what I'd hoped for was kind of what we've been hinting at, uh, that the team would come out unified, fired up, eyes on the future, yeah. clarified in terms of what we are doing and what we're not doing. So much about this process is to help people realize they don't have to do everything. There's things that really, they might even be good things, but they're not necessary things for achieving the goals that you have. I just met the other day with a, an executive director of an organization and I, we're going to help him work through this process with his organization. And uh, when he submitted some goals that we looked at, it was this long laundry list of, in fact, it was kind of overwhelming. And yeah. I, so I told him, I, I have a feeling after we get through this process, it's going to be very freeing for you because you're, you're not going to have this long, long list of to-dos. It's going to be very focused and very, and, and something that is actually life-giving, something that you can look forward to achieving. Yeah. Well, for us, I know going in, you know, you had to start with vision and we just started talking about what's the world we want to live in. We were throwing all kinds of things at the wall. And what what I realized was in, in those moments, it was so important for me not to be leading this. It, like as, as if you're the owner or the manager, you do not lead this for your company. Bring in, why, from your perspective, why was it so important that I wasn't the one that was leading this? Well, for one, as I mentioned earlier, a leader often thinks everybody is on the same page with them. So if you if you have that assumption and it's really hard not to, you're going to lead in that way. And 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 I came in as an outsider. I knew you know quite a bit about Tim because I've known him for years and I knew something about his business, but really I was an outsider. Mm-hmm. So I can spot the inconsistencies. I can spot the fallacies. Yeah. I can tell by just the body language of a of a team member if they're getting something or not. If you're a if you're the leader, you make assumptions, and then you're also so invested in this, you, you can get afraid of of conflict, disagreement. No, those things are really good, actually. Yeah. Um, in fact, there's a great book by Patrick Lencioni called. Um, Death by meeting, yeah. I think. <laughs> Read everything you can get your hands on by Patrick Lencioni, by the way. Um, but he he says what you really need when you're in a meeting like that or in a workshop 
is the diversity of opinion and then trying to come together for consensus. It's a much richer experience. As a leader, it's harder for you to do that. And it's harder for your employees to speak out because they're, even if you're a nice guy, they don't want to counter their boss. Yeah. I, I always have to remember how intimidating I am and I, I get excited about stuff anyway. So, and I get animated. So there's, there's natural intimidation there, but it, especially in a setting like this, I think the goal is that it's not, my mission it it needs to be our mission sure. because if it's if it's if if i'm leading this thing subconsciously i'm going to direct it in the way i want it to go i can't i can't help it oh yeah and what happens is if it's just me the team's not bought in and i think that for for you as the owner or, or leader or manager to sit as a peer with with your team members and together we do this under the direction of somebody else who can tell me just as much as somebody else, you know, I, I think that's actually inconsistent with what the rest of your team is saying. I think that that's a much better way to do it because it becomes our mission. Yeah. In fact, if you really care about your organization, your business, whatever it is that you lead, you should want to leave a legacy that doesn't include you. Mm -hmm. In other words, it should outlast you. Um, and that might even be your own personal vision that you are going to work toward a realized future where you're not in it, mm -hmm. but the organization is thriving, yeah. is growing, is going on and achieving things that are even greater and, and far more far reaching yeah. beyond what you could do. And, and that's a great mindset going into a workshop like this, because if, you, if you're prepared for that, there's some dynamic things that can happen that you're not trying to grasp and hold on to. You're freeing mm -hmm. up your team to think creatively. It's so funny. I mean, I, I think about that scripture verse that's about how unless a kernel of wheat dies, it cannot it cannot grow and bear fruit. And and like that's true with you as a business owner that like literally it, like you've you by your own blood, sweat and tears can take the business so far. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But there is a point where it will go no further until you die and you get out of the way and it becomes our vision, our mission, our core values. So I, I get, I get pumped up thinking about that. And, and, and I want to go back to what you said about disagreement because I mean, I, me and Matt Bradley, like we went toe to toe in some of this. I mean, there was, there, like there were raised voices, not, not, and not antagonistically, but punches were thrown, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that was a thing. And, and, and we're so much better for it. And you were an awesome mediator to, to have everybody, you know, think about, okay, this is Matt's point here, Tim, this is what you're saying which one of these is, is, is in line with what we've talked about so far. And of course, to Tim's credit, he's humble enough to allow this kind of thing to go on. Um, I know some of you listening, that, that might be a stretch for you. I'm not saying you're arrogant, but you know, it's tough when you started the business, you grew it, it's your baby. And now you're handing it off to an 800 pound gorilla. You know, it's, yeah. it's tough, but you know, Tim's absolutely right. It will not grow beyond what your own capacity and it will die when you die or when you leave or when you retire uh, the landscape is littered with the corpses of organizations that didn't make it beyond the leader's capacity yeah and so it, that's so important stan i want to round this out by talking about our goals and, and how we accomplish them so in our, in our time together we spent you know i think it was a full eight hours on the vision, the mission, the core values. And then the second half of it was about our goals. Now that we understand, you know, why we exist and we understand the guardrails that we have in, in our decision-making and behavior. Now let's talk about our goals. And I just love, you know, for you to talk about why, why are, is goal setting so important once we've done this? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, I teach a course that involves a lot of leadership stuff at a university. And um, I give students an assignment at the beginning of the semester, they have to set some goals. Uh, and then they hand in, so the, in fact, it's the first week of the semester, and they hand in their goals to me. And I tell them how to do it. But inevitably, what I get, the things are so general that um, they're not really goals. So somebody will say, I, I want to be a better something or other by the end of the semester. And I say, okay, how do I measure better? Mm -hmm. uh, how will you know if you have achieved that? And oh, yeah, I see what you mean. So goals have to be measurable. They have to be specific. Uh, they have to be something you can achieve. They have to be achievable and somewhat realistic, but they should stretch you. And then they have to be time bound. So goals allow you to to break into increments, smaller increments, the steps that it will take for you to achieve the vision. But they have to be realistic, measurable, mm -hmm. stretch you a little bit. I think stated in terms that are positive. Mm -hmm. You notice our conversation has been pretty positive. We've talked about how to build the team, pump them up. People respond best to positive kinds of goals. For example, one reason diets fail is because people state them in negative terms. I want to lose 20 pounds. That's a negative statement. Instead of, I want to be able to run this type of a race in two months or fit into this outfit in yeah. three months. Um, so that, I don't know if that helps frame that a little bit. It, yeah, it does. I mean, I feel like that was one thing when we were together. It, I think I'm a culprit of this. It's so easy to state the negative. And you were really pushing us to say okay but what's the what's the positive behavior that yeah. you want to elicit and i agree you more know motivating it is it, you know, it's, it's more motivating yes it's, it's the carrot versus the stick yeah. you know i mean both are effective but man if i've got the choice i like the carrot <laughs> sometimes you need a stick there yeah. too but yeah yeah you know and for us what we did again when, when we think about goals i mean i think i got a photo of it somewhere we must have had we must have had 20 to 30 goals up on the board. And at the end, we had five. Yeah. And that's a process that we work through that where we uh, take, you know, first of all, everybody can share something. We throw everything up. And that's important in, a, in any team exercise. Everybody should feel like they have a voice and they've been heard and it was valuable. But what you'll find when you go through this kind of exercise is there's a lot of things that can be grouped together. And that was yeah. the process we did. We found the commonality. Well, this thing that you said, you know, Sam, is kind of like what Matt said. And so let's put those together. And pretty soon we came up with these five categories. And, and it's just, it worked so beautifully. It was really their five big, uh, as as Colin says, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and again, that... With goals, that number five was a hill that I would die on. That even five is like that's stretching it. I feel like three to five is really about all any organization can handle. Because from there you can break it down. And so for us, you know, our our five goals were over the next five years. And some of them had a, we were going to be done in one year. Some of them would take two or three, and some of them were going to be five. But for for us, it, it really made us think about what is the most important. And even since then, like with Wi-Fi, we're always getting asked, well, could it do this? Can you make this feature? Can it can it build this? And and there's a million things it could be. And they're good things. Yes. And and for us, having the goals has made us say, this is what it is. And if that is in line with our goal, we we might be able to make that happen. But if it's not, and, and, and goals can change. Like I'm like I'm okay. Yes pivoting but we don't change them lightly you know like we really need to gather around this like these are the five core 
you know, things we're trying to accomplish. So we, I mean, it's like, like, like selling your house. Like right. if I needed to, I'll sell my house, but we don't, we don't just decide on a Thursday to sell the house. You know, like there's a process that we go through to determine if that's the right move. <laughs> well, and, and I get asked all the time about goals and what happens if you don't meet them mm-hmm. or you need to change Well, if you don't have a goal, how will you know if you're, if you're getting there? For example, back to my students, often a student at the end of the semester would say, oh, I, Professor Campbell, I only got 75% there. And so I'd say, well, how much there would you have gotten if you'd not had the goal in the first place? And they always smile and say, well, I wouldn't have done any of this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it's okay if the goals aren't fully realized, because what happens is then, then you get a chance to assess, well, maybe I need to change the goal up a little bit. Maybe we need to change some things in our organization that help us to achieve it better. I mean, at least it gives you a framework and a metric yeah. to make those kind of decisions. Otherwise, you're just floating at sea yeah. and you're not growing and you're not realizing your vision. And goals are just all they are is a means to an end. I think I think sometimes we, we unhealthily worship goals and we browbeat ourselves or team members that we have and we hold, you know, people to standards that are unreasonable. And 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 goals shouldn't be an idol, but they're they're just a means to an end. So again, think about this as a company. So let's just say that you're, you know, let's say you're 45 years old right now and you think, "Well, gosh, when I'm 65, I want to retire with, you know, X amount of dollars in my retirement account so that I can make X amount of dollars per year for the rest of my life." And I still want to be a minority partner in my business, but I only want to go in once a year and sign checks. So that's, that's a great goal. So, so, so think about like, okay, so like if that's what you want when you're 65, well, how many installations a year do we need to do to where I can, I can make enough money to, you know, get that passive income. Even, even, even before you get to that, what are the, what are the benchmarks every five years exactly. or every decade or whatever, depending on your age at the time. And you need to start with that. It's, it, you won't, don't want to start with the weeds where, well, what do we need to sell this week? But so if I'm, if I'm 35 now and I want to realize the goal that Tim laid out for a 65 year old, well, you, if you know your business, you know, probably what it's going to take by year five, by year 10, by year 15, et cetera, lay those out. And then that gives you much more clarity even about what do I do this year? Yeah. Yeah. And, and for us, what we've done, you know, after, so you had us go through the, the goals. We came up with, with these five and, and they were big. I mean, like, I mean, like one of our goals is that in five years we have, we have 12 months retained earnings in the bank. So like we could make no money for a year and still be a company. And I don't know if we'll accomplish that or not. That That's, that's a big time goal. But and even like, even that process to get to that twelve month goal figure was was an interesting conversation. We Tim knew that they wanted some sort of funding, yeah. some sort of you know piggy bank there. Uh, how much? Yeah. How how would we how would we get to that? And what what has to be sacrificed to make that happen? So that was a conversation. It was, and and then you had us break it down. Okay, so it's great in five years, or you know, in one year, two years, three years, we're going to do these things. But then we we actually broke it down quarter by quarter and, and and literally Stan, this is now part of our weekly scoreboard. We have a second page that has our five long term goals and then this quarter, what are the things that need to be accomplished? Because again, if you know, how do you eat, eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know? I, I say that all the time. It's true. That's a great analogy. We we did I said we weren't gonna leave the room until we had quarterly objectives. Yeah. <laughs> And for the next five years, and uh, because uh, it otherwise, if you end up 
going through this exercise and all you have are your big five goals, they're going to end up in a drawer somewhere back home and you're never going to move towards that. You have to put some real concrete and incremental steps in place and then you have to review them. Yeah. Quarterly reviews with your team. How'd we do? And it, sometimes I think owners and business leaders are scared about that process because, well, what if we don't realize them? Actually, it can be quite exciting when you get to the quarterly review, you realize, hey, we well, we didn't get everything, but we did make some progress. Now, also, the things that we didn't achieve, that gives us an opportunity, a metric to determine, well, then what's it going to take? Did we Were we striving for the wrong goal? Or yeah. does it need to be slightly changed? Or do we need to change the way we're doing some things to get to that goal? You know, we, we literally just had this happen. So I mentioned a week ago, we got together to review our, our mission, vision, core values, goals, and then our, our objectives to get there. And in the, in the months that had gone by since we got together with you, things had changed. And we decided to rearrange some of our quarterly objectives. And we, what we actually did is we actually took something a year out that we were going to try to do. And I forget if it was quarter two or quarter three. And we actually pulled it into this quarter and we took an objective that we had this quarter and we pushed it out a year just in light of how things changed. And you wouldn't have known that no. had you not gone through this exercise no. and, and lived through a quarter and yep. then reassessed it. And it gave us so much so much freedom because we're not just adding something to our plate, we're taking something off our plate. And if you're thinking right now, well, that sounds good for Tim uh, because he's really good at this, but I, I don't have time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the team. I say you cannot afford not to do oh, this. Yeah. Your life, if you, well, maybe you're happy with the way you are, but <laughs> from what Tim has described about this industry, it's kind of brutal and it's got really busy, busy, busy times. And uh, I think for uh, any business owner listening to this, it's just a must. It's the same way that if, if, if uh, you know, if, if I've got 25 things to do, but they're all in my head, I feel so stressed and you can't sleep and you're always walking on eggshells. What did I forget? What did I, if you just take those things and literally just write them on a piece of paper and circle the five most important ones, doing nothing else, you will literally feel better about your life. You will. And this is the, this is the same thing at scale. And you'll find probably uh, there's a lot of congruity between things on that list that, that you don't really have 25 things. You have five big areas that those all fit into. Yeah. And so it's a matter. And that was even an exercise Tim and I did about a year and a half ago yeah. with his business, uh, which actually started this journey Yeah. Uh, to, to because he was juggling a lot of really good things. And I don't know anybody. Uh, I don't know anybody that gets more done in a 24 hour period <laughs> than Tim Reed. He is Mr. Energizer bunny and he works really hard, but even he got overwhelmed by his long list. And, uh, and, and we went through an exercise that helped free him up. Stan, I, yeah, the work that you've done with me personally has been incredibly powerful, but if someone's listening to this and thinking, okay, I, I got to take advantage of this. Where can people get a hold of you? Well, they can email me. Uh, it's my email address is Stanford J Campbell. So Stanford S T A N F O R D letter J Campbell C A M P B E L L one long word, no dots, anything like that at gmail.com. That's awesome. And, and it, I, I know like listening to this, it's so easy to think, uh, someday we'll do that when I, when I just get past this and man, I'm just, for for people listening, like you literally can't afford not to do this. I mean, the money that we paid you was l like, it's the best money we've ever spent because it instantly paid off. Still waiting for that check. <laughs> it's, in, it's in the mail stand, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious in that it, we got an instant return. I mean, just what we did in, in quarter four, 
because of the clarity that we had, it, it wouldn't have gotten accomplished. We would have been chasing our tails in a million different directions. So, you know, I, I, I know that people listening to this got a ton of value and I, I appreciate what you've done for us and just for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. And it's been such a joy working with you and with your team. Well, thanks, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Stan. I mean, you can probably tell as you're listening to, to me in that. I, I mean... I so respect that man and the wisdom that he brings to the table for someone like me who is quick to make decisions and I can be impulsive and I rely a lot on emotion and feeling having someone like him in my life has really helped me slow down and have a healthy perspective on doing the things that actually matter most. And as we finish talking about this, you know, a lot of the conversation had to do with our vision, mission, and core values. But at the end, as we finished on goals and objectives, this is what it all comes down to. So for us as a company, you know, going into our time together, if you would have asked me, I would have had a number of goals for the company and I could have given you 15 or 20 and they all would have been fine. But if you would have asked our other team members, they wouldn't have given you the same goals And we wouldn't have understood where the prioritization was of them. But when you go through the exercise of first understanding vision, right? What is the world that we believe can exist? Then you go to mission. What's our specific role in creating that world? Then core values, the guidelines of how we behave and make decisions. It absolutely sets you up to now set goals. And for us, truly, like, We only set five goals as a company, and this is over the next five years. Now, these are really big goals. Some of them, you know, if we, if we get there, are going to take us between a year and and five years to hit. They're not all, not every goal is, is five years out, but they're big. And as we looked at it, like there's a million things we could try to do, but if we can knock out these five, that's the path to winning and everything else, all of a sudden must come underneath that hierarchy understanding that for your company is so critical. You know, for many businesses, they just lack clarity. Many owners lack clarity. And what are we going after? Why are we doing this? The team lacks clarity. You know, why do I get out of bed every morning? What are we going to go do today at work? Does it even matter? Should I be doing this or be doing this? You know, getting your team clear on why you exist, where you're going and how they behave as you're on the journey there will pay dividends, I mean, so far beyond what you can imagine it's worth doing. I know it's easy to write off a conversation like this and just think, oh, I mean, yeah, those things are fluffy. Someday we'll do core values and sing Kumbaya around the campfire. But I'm telling you that this is the power of clarity. And when, when a company has this, you can start to move faster because you trust each other. You're able to make decisions quickly. Your team members can make the call when you're not around. I mean, truly, this is, this is the secret to taking control of your business. It has to start with being unified around a common vision instead of goals. Now, I mentioned it at the end, but I'm, I'm dead serious that the money that we spent with Stan was truly like the best money we've ever spent as a company. And I'm just telling you, like, don't sleep on this. If, if you're thinking, I, I don't know if I've done this the way that I should, you need to reach out to Stan and go through the same exercise that our team did because, I mean, we are so much better for it. And even like I said in the conversation, you know, when we recently just revisited our mission, vision, core values, and goals, gosh, we spent 
four hours on Zoom and it felt like five minutes. I mean, we all walked out so pumped, just ready to take on the world. And it was awesome because everybody knows where we're going. We can, we can decide as we get, you know, months and months into this, hey, you know, this was our goal for next quarter. Based on what we know now, I don't think that's very important. Should we cut it or should we, you know, move it somewhere else and pull something else in? Again, these are things that allow you to start pulling levers in your company. And when you can start doing that, I mean, that's the key to, to take control of things. So I hope that you got a ton of value out of that conversation. It was absolutely incredible for me to revisit. Now, if this podcast has been a blessing for you and you want to support it financially, you can do that by going to the website patreon.com slash it's fire time. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash it's fire time. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that this is a two-part mini-series, and next week I'm pumped for you to hear this because we're going to have Matt Bradley and Sam O'Donnell on, and we are going to really go deep on our vision, our mission, our core values, our goals and objectives, and what this looks like when a team is actually clear about these things. And, you know, we're going to put each other on the spot and say, what was it like before? You know, were there areas where you were actually confused, where you didn't think you were? It was, I mean, I'm just saying it was true for all of us. So I think you're going to get a lot of value out of that. And my encouragement is that you take advantage of this. Clarifying your team around a common vision is literally the most important thing you can do. So in the meantime, I hope this week you can start to put this into practice. Super excited to bring you the rest of this series. And so we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website, itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.